Welcome to Love in the Time of COVID-19. Join host Sissy Sierro, a distracted creative who is finally getting it together, and a chorus of friends, family, neighbors, strangers, and colleagues sharing poignant, honest, humorous, and sometimes harrowing accounts of life, loss, love, and restoration during the pandemic. The podcast series mission is to create a welcoming space for a new community, one we never knew we needed. So pull up a lawn chair, at a safe distance, of course, and listen to the stories about ourselves and each other. Welcome to Episode 3, Sheltering in Grace. I'm your host, Sissy Sierro. My guest for this episode is the multi-talented and truly wonderful Tasia Valenza, Emmy Award-winning voiceover actor, creator of Give Great Voice, recent TEDx presenter, and mother of three. Besides the conversation with Tasia, there are other wonderful stories from contributors for this episode. All of the stories explore personally how grace presents itself and how we learn in our own ways to recognize and become more available to it. A few tech notes. You'll hear different audio quality in certain places, and that's due to the nature of a community podcast because audio stories come in from different contributors. Now, let's dive into episode three, Sheltering in Grace. So here we are. Hey, Tasia. Welcome. Hi, Sissy. I'm so happy to be with you on this wonderful episode of Sheltering and Grace. And by the way, that's an amazing name. Yes, I know. I borrowed it. I, uh, I heard it during a meditation program where the moderator said, you know, we're not sheltering in place. We're sheltering in grace. And as soon as I heard that, I just it dropped into my heart. And I thought this is the perfect theme for... Well, where I'm at and where probably a lot of other people are at during this time of the pandemic. And the next thought was, oh, I want Tasia to do this with me. So I'm so glad you were able to and that it's inspiring to you, too. It's just great to have you. As soon as you sent me that, I was like, ah, I've got to be part of this sheltering in grace. And of course, I'm dying to know what that means to you because that's such an amazing name. Yeah, I I know. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. I'm looking forward to us exploring this, you know, having a conversation about what sheltering in grace has looked like, has felt like, has um, manifested as in our lives. So the main things, the main feelings that came up when I started uh, really thinking about this theme and writing for the episode uh, were the memories of when the pandemic first hit. I had a very hard time availing myself of the support that was around me. It's hard for me to ask for help, but um, I was surprised to the extent when I was in a state of high alert and threat. I realized that my practice of meditation and um, the balance that I needed to keep in my life was crucial. And I pushed and pulled against that quite a bit. Yeah. You were, it seems like you were doing the opposite of what you needed to do the most, which was self-care. Yeah, I know. And it, it made it so much harder to cope. Sounds like such an obvious thing. But, you know, at the time, I wasn't rationally thinking about what I should be, what I could be doing, how I could be feeling better. You know, my platform, Give Great Voice, is this whole notion of using our voices to move and touch someone. And that means also being able to express, I'm afraid, I'm anxious, I'm alone, I'm scared. How are you feeling? And once we just name it and not leave it in our heads, 
there's usually someone on the other side. I would say 95% of the time I've said that someone says, I understand and I feel that way too. And there's so much healing from that because then you don't think like you're wrong for feeling that way. And there's communion in supporting one another and holding a space and listening to one another. Yes. And it sounds like such a, uh, of course, uh, you know, but I guess we all had to reach different points of, you know, that and the despair. You know, the despair was amazing to me. I think we all were at that time because it was uh, it was so much shock and disbelief that we were actually doing this because in our lifetime, we haven't experienced anything like it. And it was um, literally, it was a closing off of all of our connections. Our work was being shut down. Our schools were being shut down. Our social connection was being shut down. At first, especially at first when the pandemic hit, I was pushing it all away, pushing away support. I just wanted to go into a shell. So how, I mean, the the adaptability factor was very, it was like we were completely traumatized of like, this is our new life. And especially if you're an extrovert, especially, it was like a, a rude awakening of, oh my God, I'm, I can't be connected to what generates my energy. Yes. You know, and I know for me, I'm, I'm a person who marches through life. I march, march, march. And to go to Costco with a mask on and the whole thing. And um, then to come home, wash everything while my hands were shaking. And I would then sit on the floor and just cry because the anxiety was so overwhelming. And I thought, I am not an anxious person. Buck up, sissy. What are you doing, girl? Come on now. And I was like, no, gosh, that isn't working. I can't do that. Yeah. And how did you figure it out? I think by finally sitting with the feelings and realizing that I wasn't trying to even allow any comfort in, you know, and then remembering to notice that I was actually fine, you know, in the moment and and really in meditation, even though those meditations, especially early on, were filled with a lot of mental static. It was crucial to recognize grace in the, the small flashes, you know, in the short moments in between the fear and the meltdowns. And when I could, you know, allow comfort to try to notice how it felt, breathing into the feeling of a little bit of comfort, you know, and, and try to expand on it. So it was really about balance, staying close to the things that work and singing and walking in nature, even just in the neighborhood. The breathing of the dogs, <laughs> my our old dogs, just breathing and snoring. And another interesting, comforting thing was my beautiful sister-in-law, Ronnie, who just, you know, she and I just started reaching out to each other and really funny texts and especially about hair, you know, our hair. Oh, God, what do we do with the color and cut? Yeah. And then we started sending each other very funny videos back and forth, you know, when they were really circulating lots of those videos. That humor, laughing, connecting, you know, in that way was a huge comfort to me because my family's all on the East Coast, my, my birth family all on the East Coast, and they're so far away. You know, I realized I'm just was sheltering in these simple comforts. That's it. But that's one of the things that I have, uh, again, shared in for sheltering in grace means to me is uh, really appreciating simple pleasures. Maybe you can go through, I mean, what was it like just physically in your house with your family? How did you feel in your neighborhood? 
Well, you know, my my kids are at home. They're teenagers, and I I feel very fortunate that they are able to uh, get. And for the mothers and the and the fathers out there that have had to become teachers on top of their professions with their kids, that is such a challenge. And I've been very lucky that my kids are, you know, very independent in that way. But the slowing down of our lives, uh, where it was becoming, I was, a, I'm a full-on soccer mom, and so every weekend was at least, uh, you know, out of three kids, there was always at least two games, three games, and and then all the academics on top of it, running around, you know, uh, the 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 teenagers that also had to go to friends' houses, and the to-do list was so never-ending. And and the amount of time that we've spent in front of one another where the ability to be completely present because there was no um, time frame of, like, okay, at 2 o'clock you have to go there and by 5 o'clock and, and then always uh, my husband and I kind of taking, you know, conquer and dividing, uh, dividing and conquering where we had to like always, all of that stopped and the the silver lining for us is that we got um, time with our kids prior to them leaving the nest in the next year and a half. I have twins that are 16 and they're 11th graders. And yeah, and I have a 14-year-old. Whoa, twin teenagers. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, and but the fact is is that the simplicity of 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 our lives has has changed that all the activities that were their their main source of you know desire as teenagers, which is perfectly normal, uh, became much more family centric, and we got them back for a little while and got time with them we'll never get again, and so that's been a huge impact and on our awareness, and we. We have Friday night uh, dinner, Shabbat dinner, and one of our, um, they grew up on, we have this tradition, it's like our family night dinner, you know, for our my Italian side, it's the Sunday night dinner, Friday night is the, the Jewish side, and and uh, we always go around the table and share gratitude, what we're grateful for, and some of the things that, you know, they've, they've said have been so beautiful that, you know, they recognize too that we've had this time together teenagers saying that that's fantastic yes which is like pretty amazing um and and i think that's something that i i take pleasure my birthdays all the birthdays that have come that we the only thing we could do was uh take a hike uh, alone and, and 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 my kids have made homemade cards for me since they were little and that's something that i've demanded uh, as my they don't have to ever buy me a gift but i i made a homemade homemade cards and so Again, my birthday was a homemade, you know, a Betty Crocker cake and homemade cards. And that did not change because my expectations were that that's what joy and love mean to me. But the awareness of how, again, how special it is was really kind of set in stone because this was really our only option. But it was something that I already appreciated it and appreciated it that much more. So I think the simple pleasures have really been something that we keep focusing our attention that these are these are what matter the most to playing a game together, watching the the Godfather movie, all the things that were kind of going away based on you know everyone needing to do their own thing, starting to be independent. Yeah, sure. Yeah, which is very important. It just so happens we got a reprieve, um, and that and and as I like to say, we got to be more human beings than human doings. And I mean, how lucky were you? to be able to have that time, this time with your kids you know, as they're teenagers. I love hearing that. I'm so 
I'm so grateful you shared that story about your family and how you guys came together. That's beautiful. If that isn't sheltering in grace, I don't know what is. There's been a lot of that. I mean, our neighborhood happens. I've never seen so many families walking in groups and bicycling. And, I, and that's one of the things I do in Shelter and Grace. I bike ride um, in, through my neighborhood like at six o'clock every night, we, either with my husband or alone. And I, I just love appreciating any kind of foliage I see and that kind of, you know, because I live in Los Angeles and the amount of traffic, of course, is very well known in Los Angeles. And that is something, again, to have the first time in my 30-something years of living here, uh, the sense of being able to ride a bicycle without being fearful of my life. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's what you're saying is that I keep trying to be more present. And the the part of me that, of course, is the social media also addicted and the part of me that knows that the news cycle um, can be overwhelming has made a point of detaching from those that cause me anxiety on a greater level. So I, I recognize that those things will harm me. And I was, I don't know about for you, but I was very news addicted, of course, for the first like three weeks, right? Oh, us too. Oh, yeah. It, it was it, it was too much and it was painful. But yeah, exactly. And then I just started with my husband, you know, we're going to we're going to start disconnecting from this because we now know that this is uh, this is the new normal. And then uh, becoming purposeful to help uh, spread love and kindness and compassion through the my Give Great Voice platform has kept me feeling very uh, purposeful. And 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 uh, somebody told me once that the opposite of depression. This was a doctor therapist. Is not happiness. What do you think the, the opposite of depression is? To me, it would be moving, as you said, purposefully in my life. Yeah, that's that's what makes me feel great. Purposeful. That's exactly it. So when you're purposeful, you have meaning. You matter. One of the most important things you can do when you are depressed, which of course so many people are, is to reach out and to not um, to not completely isolate and to know that you matter. You know, actually, when I started doing the podcast, I was going to do a different podcast. And of course, when the pandemic hit, I thought, my gosh, I'm going to do a podcast that's a community. I want to direct it, but I want to hear people's stories. And I'd love it in their voices. But if they can't do it, I will read your story for you. I will record it in my voice. And that was the whole thing. I thought, how do I make it available for people to share who they are, how they're feeling. Maybe my little effort could make them feel a little less isolated, a little more connected to what's around them. That's how, I guess, you know, you just hit that for me. I realized this is how I have been sheltering in grace. I just want to be of love and service and to get what I do with my voice for a living to mean something and to reach people and to give them a voice. Mm, that's exactly, that's give great voice. I know, so I so resonate with that. When you talk about it. That's what you're doing. That's what you're doing. Yes, because you're you're taking your voice and you're making, you're helping people to share their stories for a platform for them. And then you're even giving them the chance if they don't feel comfortable, but they give you the words to give them, literally give them a voice. So how beautiful is that? Uh, thanks for saying that. I just really feel so grateful. This podcast has been a huge touchstone of joy and creativity for me. We'll be right back with more of my conversation with Tasia Valenza and other stories after this. To get the latest episodes, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at hashtag loveinthetimeofcovid-19podcast or at Sissy Sierra's Voice ATX. 
You can also find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And now, more of Episode 3, Sheltering in Grace. I want you to talk about giving great voice and in, in uh, to this theme of sheltering in grace. Like, so how, was, how did that change maybe your messaging or how were you reaching your audience? Was something, what was different, what was informed or different about maybe what you were doing? Okay, so well, let me explain maybe my my platform for people that don't know. Because we're both voiceover artists, and we both we both give great voice daily, which is again we use our beautiful instruments to move and touch our audiences, depending on the role that we're playing. And so I realized in my life that the the very things that made me a great voiceover artist uh, to understand the uh, the intention behind my voice uh, could very much help me and others uh, in their real lives. You know, so I noticed that between um, the understanding of, wow, my voice can inspire and it can cajole and it can comfort in all these roles I play, and that these roles are mothers and CEOs and friends and daughters, I can apply these same principles consciously, think about how we use our voices, especially if we're not voiceover artists or singers or actors, could really gain value from understanding how to have more command. The message changed a lot in terms of when I I gave a TEDx talk on this principle of give great voice, how we can apply it in our lives. And it came out um, in February 7th. And uh, 20 days later, a little pandemic hit us, uh, walloped us, and all of a sudden, everybody's calling each other. Everyone's checking in. Everyone's Zooming. All of a sudden, it's not an aberration to pick up the phone and say, how are you? I'm thinking about you. Or I'm scared. Or all the things that this pandemic, at least in terms of the silver lining, has brought, that people are giving great voice to one another and reconnecting. And my hope is, of course that that will continue, that we won't go back completely to the the digitized form of our communication. Yeah, it feels important. My friend is in Uruguay. She's feeling the exact same thing we're feeling. She's isolated in a small town near her hotel that had to close down. So we talked about what is sheltering in grace. And she was seeing she takes a bike ride every day. I want her so much to send me stories. She takes these beautiful, emotional photographs of the countryside where she rides in Uruguay. And it just was like, oh, my God, she is sheltered. I said, girl, you're sheltering in nature on our Zoom call the other night, and she just got tears in her eyes. And I thought, that's the truth. Yeah. The voice is that much more important now. If we can't physically touch somebody, we can hug them with our voices. We can say, I love you, and I'm here for you. But if we completely disconnect and we send a text, or we just keep, you know, uh, sending memes or emailing or Snapchatting or Instagramming, uh, we're going to get that much more isolated and distance because our beautiful voices can at least offset with the tone and the intention that that warmth and that resonance that we respond to, the vibration, the frequency of our voices touches in a way that no digital communication can. Yes. So not just, you know, we're giving voice alone in our booths, in our studios, you know, to the world, wherever we send our work out to, but also, you know, just saying, hey, how are you? Or I found myself yelling across streets to people when we were really keeping like, you know, severe social distance. Hey, how are you doing over there? What's up? You know, exactly. (laughs) Neighbors, how sweet, you know, to sit with um, 
in my experience, new neighbor friends and to share and listen to each other. And, you know, just carrying my chair across the street to, you know, sit in that wide circle, all of us being, you know, over six feet apart. It was so healing for me. And really, another way, I really did shelter in grace, you know, the grace of each other. Oh, I love that. Yes, it's that it's that I'm we are connected and we are we are one. We are one. Using our voices for good is what I like to say. Using our voices for good. We're both using our voices for good and so uh, you know, give great voices is very purposeful to me and yet it still uh, connects to my my passion, which is to to use my voice to be a storyteller and also to now teach other people that I got to co-found an affirmation meditation app that is called Haven Guided Affirmations. And that is, and it is something that uh, I fell into or, you know, manifested because I, uh, the universe is kind and knew that I wanted to help people to give great voice to not only each other, but to themselves. Because I find that from my monkey mind, if I can listen, I wanted to make a really soothing, loving, kind of very, not only the words will embalm you, but my voice will embalm you. And and that helps to, it helps my monkey mind when I hear um, a great um, meditation to really transfix myself into the words and relax myself as opposed to, you know, thinking my own thoughts, which I struggle with more when it's just completely silent. Yes, I love meditation with the sound of the tambora. I notice I go much deeper when I do. Um, boy, you know, especially now. Right. Something that you do regularly, and then you're literally programming yourself for more love, self-acceptance, more compassion. And when you fill yourself up with that, you have so much more bandwidth to give it to others. And I love that you made that available to people. That's wonderful. Oh, thank you. Tasia Valenza, thank you so much for being part of this episode and sharing your beautiful insights, your voice, uh, what you do in the world and how you do it. I'm grateful that you joined me and I'm sure my listeners are too. I just love the name so much. I had to, as soon as I heard it, I knew I was like, gotta be part of this. So thank you so much for having me with you. Here's a beautiful share from a dear friend, Charlie Love, who is a psycho-spiritual communication therapist here in Austin. Her story is read by Claire Hamilton, who is a musician from California. I have been using the practice of meditation daily to regulate fears and anxiety. I have found that when I use the energy from Sanskrit mantras, they transform my inner experiences of discord. The recitation of the mantra creates a sense of true peacefulness of the self. I can use this anytime and the results are consistent. I am so grateful to have this practice to utilize in these unpredictable times. On my shamanic path, I hike the first thing every morning. I have noticed how the outer environment has gotten quieter. I can hear louder than ever the wisdom of the trees, rocks, land, and water. Ancient wisdom is more available and wanting to be heard. That daily connection helps me ground and know that the planet has stood in witness to so much dissonance. 
this gives me strength and helps me be present so I can choose to respond in interdependence communication. This too will pass, and with the help of the elements and deep listening, I walk in balance and harmony during these unprecedented times. Now a story from psychotherapist, grief advocate, writer, trainer, and speaker, Candice Ossifort-Russell. This is adapted from her blog and is entitled, Emotions Are Like Birds. During this stay-at-home time, since we're, well, at home all the time, we've been making use of every square inch of our house. We've also been trying to find ways to be at home and appreciate the outdoors at the same time. To that end, my son and my husband became enthusiastic about ordering and setting up bird feeders. I encouraged them, but I wasn't exactly excited about it. Birds, schmirds, I was missing my people. But whatever, I figured it wouldn't hurt anything. And then, they arrived. Cardinals, blue jays, sparrows, starlings, chickadees, black-crested titmice, grackles, doves, lots of doves mockingbirds, and two kinds of woodpeckers. Is it okay to favor one bird over another? I adore the woodpeckers. What surprised me was that getting to know these birds by name has made me feel so happy. As I've become able to name the birds I see, I can tell my husband and son about them, and I can imagine the birds they describe to me. We share our excitement in a richer way, and I feel a relational connection to these sweet creatures that are thrilled to receive our daily offerings. In fact, when I stand on the front porch and watch the flitting about of bird dynamics, I feel moved. I can't invite people into my home or my office to receive the warmth that that I like to offer right now, and I miss that so much. Being able to invite these fellow creatures into our yard is bringing some social warmth into my heart. It makes me feel an ache of missing my people and gratitude for the birds all at once. Before I invited the birds into my yard and got to know them by name, they existed in a bland, generic way to me. I didn't dislike them, but I didn't feel particularly excited about them either. But now, because of my family's creativity in the midst of this pandemic, I love birds. I notice them everywhere I go. I don't think that's ever going to change. Today, merely viewing a gallery of gorgeous photos taken on the grounds of a place very sacred to me made my heart melt into grateful tears. Little pieces of me are starting to fly back together, returning, yet rearranged in ways I didn't know were necessary. Unbeknownst to me, I have been sheltering in grace. I've been sheltered by grace, even when I was so sure I was lost and alone. I wish to thank our contributors and our listeners. I hope this episode had meaning for you and maybe dropped you a little deeper into your own heart of hearts and reminded you that you're not alone. In our collective lives, we are truly navigating and enduring a season unlike any other. And now more than ever, our voices and words of love, not hate, unity, not division, are more urgently needed than ever before. Please join me for the next episode when we explore stories about lives reset during the pandemic and beyond. 
I don't have a production team to thank, but I do have a special thank you to Simon Tesano, not only for his golden-voiced intro to my podcast, but also his invaluable help in teaching me more about how to get great audio quality. He is an engineer, producer, mixing genius, a great VO talent, and what a dear friend. Thank you so much, Simon. Please join our community and send in either audio or a written story at info at sissysierro.com. Speak to you soon.